2: Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Welcome
0: to the new Books Network.
2: There have been times when Korea has lived in some tranquility, But there have also been times, such as now, when it seems to have an outsized influence on global affairs. Certainly in the case of North Korea, bigger than its GDP figures would suggest it might have... With its nuclear capability and ruthless authoritarianism, North Korea has engaged Beijing and Washington at the highest levels. And the economic miracle in South Korea, as well as the history of democratic development there, have generated their own waves in global politics. So to think about Korea and its future, I'm joined by Eugene Park, who's recently written Korea, a history. So thanks very much for joining us. Thank you, Owen. And let's just go back I think we should start you go right back, but I, I, I'm going to sort of abbreviate the history, if that's all right, and start in 1900. And I just wonder if you can tell us what was the state of Korea in 1900, what kind of a society was it, what kind of a political system?
0: What was happening in 1900?: As of 1900, uh, Korea had been maintaining independent, united monarchy for roughly a millennium, that is uh, since 936, uh, prior to which uh, the Korean Peninsula and the surrounding regions uh, had been divided among smaller polities or the states uh, ruled by uh, the direct ancestors of uh, the uh, present Korean population.
2: Right, so so it was a traditional society, and you know it was it was in touch, it was aware of other societies around it, obviously, but nonetheless, it it had for many many centuries mm-hmm. existed as a, as a its own polity, if you Yes,
0: like. absolutely. Mm-hmm.
2: Now, presumably, it was very aware of the Chinese, you know, presence and size so near it. So, what was the relationship with China at that time?
0: Yes, much throughout the uh, book, um, I try to provide uh, a broader uh, regional historical framework, uh, especially in terms of uh, the common misunderstandings, misperceptions or cliches that are are out there. And uh, one such uh, misperception is that the Asia, which really what most people seem to understand and think of it, hear hear the term Asia as really East Asia. East Asia as such means China and Japan, pure and simple. But throughout the book, um, I maintain a, a front framework according to which at least until the late nineteenth century, China was the absolutely dominant center that is a, one of a, a handful of a major continuing civilizations uh, throughout the uh, humanity's uh, history and uh, uh, and on the periphery of China. Were various uh, smaller actors, uh, such as the ancestors of uh, the Vietnamese, Koreans, Japanese, just to name a few, who selectively adopted the institutions and ideas from China.
2: Right. So, so China was an influence, but uh, not one threatening Korean independence.
0: That is correct. Very different from uh, the present contemporary uh, the uh, the perception, the West's perception of China as being. uh, Uh, overly aggressive, hostile, uh, almost like uh, some newbie, a new power just out of nowhere, without any sort of a historical justification that is trying to claim some sort of a a superpower status. But far from it, until the late 19th century, China as a dominant uh, civilization and military force was perfectly content to let uh, neighboring groups uh, maintain their autonomies and pursue their cultural development as long as uh, they accepted china's uh, uh, the hegemony through various uh, rituals
2: right tell us about those rituals then
0: mm-hmm. uh, it, these rituals have changed much uh, throughout history and i think that the, the form that present-day western audience or the readers that were more familiar with the, the region's history uh, think of the most is a so-called tributary system that is uh, by the early modern era, by which I mean very roughly from about 1450 until um, 1850. The late imperial China, China late imperial China's history uh, featured the two dynasties. That is the Ming dynasty and the Qing dynasty. They were ethnically different. Ming, di- the, uh, the Ming, Ming dynasty was the last ethnically Han Chinese uh, dynasty in Chinese history, whereas the, the Qing were the Manchus. But still, both the Ming and the Qing maintained a system according to which the emperor of China, the ruler of the Chinese empire as a son of heaven, was uh, the universal ruler. What that meant was that uh, uh, tributaries such as uh, Vietnam, Laos, Burma, Korea, and in the case of Japan, very briefly in the 15th century, had to uh, submit gifts presence on certain special occasions, such as uh, the new emperor's accession in China, or the new, in the case of Japan, the new shogun taking his office, and certainly in the case of Korea, uh, the new king, its new king ascending the throne. And uh, such such exchanges were highly ritualized uh, with strict protocols, and the accompanying Each such tributary mission, whether we're talking going from a non Chinese state to China or the other way around, was a heavy volume of officially licensed trade.
2: Right. Okay. Well, that that describes the situation uh, very well up until 1910. And then everything changed because Japan annexed Korea and Korea became part of the Japanese empire. So what was uh, the state of Japan at that time, mm-hmm. and what was the run-up, as you like, to, yes. th- to that Japanese annexation?
0: Yes, I think it would be a bit more useful uh, if I were to take my response just a few decades uh, further back, that is, uh, uh, let's say, mid-19th century. So certainly by then, China, Korea, Japan, had, were all dealing with the threats of Western imperialism. In the case of China, it had already been defeated by Britain, among others, through such conflicts as the First Opium War. And both Korea and Japan were fully aware of what was, what, was, uh, what was transpiring in China. And also by the 1850s, there were increasingly numerous uh, uh, sightings of Western ships on the shores of Korea and Japan. But uh, what made Japan unique, at least from the late 19th century until the end of the 20th century, was that again, Japan successfully reinvented itself as the only non-Western nation that, that modeled itself after the imperialist Western powers. And in 1894, Japan successfully challenged China as a traditional hegemony in the region by defeating China in the First Sino-Japanese War. And in 1904-1905, Japan likewise succeeded, this time against a European-based state, the Russian Empire. But Japan's victory over Russia in 1905 meant that by then, there was no major power standing in the way of or was was willing to do anything about uh, Japan's uh, uh, Japan taking over Korea. And in, indeed, uh, later in 1905, after defeating R- Russia, uh, Japan, in full military occupation of the Korean Peninsula, turned Korea into a protectorate, which essentially meant that uh, Japan stripped Korea of uh, international diplomatic representation. And five years later, in 1910, Japan officially, formally annexed Korea, thus turning Korea into a Japanese colony.
2: And tell us about the nature of Japanese rule.
0: Yes. One of the many challenges, if not unique aspects of the Japanese uh, colonial rule in Korea from 1910 to 1945 was that Japan had taken over an immediate neighbor, that is uh, not like uh, Western nations that were acquiring and uh, trying to govern colonies that are far away, right? Also, uh, Korea as Japan's new colony had its own long history as a uh, uh, distinct culture and uh, uh, an and autonomous uh, uh, state with this recorded history going even further back than uh, Japan's own. And uh, so the, uh, the, uh, the main challenge for Japan then was how to uh, not just uh, maintain control uh, using brute military force, but how to more fully integrate Korea into the expanding Japanese empire so that J- Japan could mo- more successfully uh, use Korea as a resources that is both the material and human. And of course, in life. It's always uh, preferable to uh, uh, make one's uh, population believe that they're uh, in it, for, uh, in the enterprise for the common good, for the, uh, 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 rather than forcing them to uh, uh, provide the goods and services.
2: And presumably, like any colony, there were Koreans who collaborated and there were Koreans who resisted.
0: Absolutely. The unfortunately, uh, both uh, the official, uh, the public narrative, especially through education system in North and South Korea, alike, and I think this and this is I think universal in most uh, post-colonial, post-occupation societies, uh, is that uh, the uh, good people or the patriots, those who cared about our nation, uh, the nation, uh, uh, resisted, whereas the bad ones uh, collaborated. But certainly so in real life. These were just the two extreme options. With a vast majority of the people just going about with their daily lives, just not struggling to survive, um, and they were in the middle. Tell us then,
2: if you look at it, you know, taking a step back, the Chinese influence up to nineteen ten, and then the Japanese rule from nineteen ten to nineteen forty five. What were the differences? In the influences on the Korean people from those two countries, China and Japan?
0: They're very different. Until about 1882, when there was a military mutiny uh, uprising in Korea, China was content to maintain more traditional ties with Korea, which uh, meant that uh, as long as Korea performed this. Uh, Ritual and diplomatic uh, obligations as uh, the Chinese Empire's tributary. China rarely meddled in the, the, took, uh, the care in the Korea's internal affairs, but from 1882 on, China became more aggressive uh, in getting itself involved, uh, sending, sending troops, uh, posting a, a viceroy uh, that is a resident general, to really look after and uh, promote. China's uh, uh, strategic interests, um, in part because by then, the China's the traditional tributaries in Southeast Asia had all been more or less taken over and were being controlled by Britain or France. And the Japan by then was increasingly encroaching upon Korea. And of course, Japan's victory over China through the First Sino-Japanese War of 1894, 1895 meant that certainly in terms of China's military presence uh, and China's uh, a claim to special influence or control over Korea, all of those things came to an end. In contrast to China's approach, Japan decided right from the beginning to maintain direct control of a Korea uh, by doing at least two things. One is uh, the setting up a very large bureaucracy Very much larger than uh, comparable colonial bureaucracy in the French Indochina, for example, or the British possessions uh, at the time. And secondly, Japan maintained uh, uh, a strong, formidable uh, military presence on the Korean Peninsula, which ultimately became Japan's base for its uh, further expansion into the continental Asia, including Manchukuo and the China proper uh, in the 1930s.
2: So that explains it in terms of imperial policy, if you like, almost military policy, political influence. But what about cultural influences? What were the differences there?
0: Japan's policy, cultural policy uh, vis-a-vis Korea as a colony shifted initially from 1910 to 1919, uh, when uh, there was a massive colony-wise uprising, anti-Japanese uprising. Japan used more heavy-handed approach for instance, that there was a complete, almost total press blackout, strict censorship. But in 1919, Korea's, colonial Korea's uh, uprising made the Japanese authorities uh, realize they have to take a slightly different approach. What followed was uh, something called the, um, the cultural policy or uh, also known as the enlightened administration, uh, with which uh, the Japanese empire made a certain relatively minor Concessions toward Koreans. So, for example, now uh, Japan was allowing Korean language publications, which, of course, they were all subjected to pre-publication censorship. There was uh, Japan allowed the limited right to uh, assemble and also the low level uh, local autonomy. And from 1919 until the beginning of the war in Northeast Asia, that is uh, the, the Second Sino-Japanese War from 1937 to 1945, Japan essentially promised to uh, the Koreans as Japan's colonial subject, promised them that once you, meaning Koreans, all can prove that uh, you are worthy of becoming uh, full-fledged citizens in the civilized uh, world, then uh, we may grant you Koreans greater autonomy, if not independence, with that once or when never fully uh, specified.
2: And I was also thinking in terms of, I don't know, religious influence, um, intellectual influence. What were the differences there?
0: Traditionally, dominant religions or belief systems uh, in Korea uh, were the indigenous popular religion, also known as a shamanism. All the scholars uh, disagree on the the definition of shamanism. But I'll just call it shamanism here. And as I do in, in my book, shamanism, Buddhism, and Confucianism, and uh, any combination thereof. Whereas in Japan, uh, traditionally uh, Shinto, which in many ways uh, we could think of as uh, Japan's uniquely institutionalized version of its its own uh, ancient shamanism. So so Shinto and uh, and the Buddhism. And whereas uh, Confucianism, the influence of Confucianism in Japan was by far the weakest among any of uh, the East Asian or Northeast Asian uh, uh, countries. So there certainly was much common ground, religious common ground, between uh, the colonizer Japan and the colonized Korea. And of course, what this meant was that the, the colonizer looked for every opportunity to co-opt colonial Korea as a religious leader, as a, usually through setting up a, a collaborationist or the, uh, uh, the pro-Japanese a wing. or or, a Korean group within the the Koreans, among Koreans, but practicing that particular uh, religion, let's say a particular lineage of Buddhism, for example.
2: Let's pull forward to the Second World War, because that's the next big change, really. And uh, Japan obviously defeated in the Second World War and lost its uh, Korean colony. And so let's, I guess we should move forward to 1945. And what happened at that time?
0: Japan mobilized Korea and other colonies uh, as fully as it could for the second Sino-Japanese War, which uh, eventually merged with the World War II when Japan bombed Pearl Harbor in 1941. About two weeks before Japan's uh, official surrender uh, of August 15, 1945, the United States had become increasingly alarmed By the real likely prospect of the Soviet Union occupying a big chunk of uh, the Japanese empire that was uh, rapidly collapsing. uh, Because going back a few months in May 1945, uh, Nazi Germany has surrendered. And since then, Franklin Delano Roosevelt's successor, uh, Truman, had been watching and hearing with a growing sense of anger about how the the Soviets were setting up pro-Soviet communist governments in Eastern Europe. As Stalin had promised earlier to Franklin Delano Roosevelt, uh, in August, Soviet Union finally declared, officially declared war against Japan. And uh, while the Americans were fighting one bloody battle after another, island by island, in the Southeast Asia, uh, over a million Soviet troops were making their way down, uh, rushing through uh, the, the Japanese collaboration state of Manchukuo and the Korean Peninsula, even making amphibious landings almost out of desperation, figuring that there was uh, little to lose. Um, In August 1945, the the U.S. proposed to the Soviets that the two powers divide Korea roughly evenly with or along the 38th parallel. And uh, to America's uh, uh, surprise, Soviet Union basically said okay let's divide Korea even though Soviet Union was in a, was was militarily capable of uh, uh, occupying the entire Korean peninsula after August 15th it, it took uh, about 2 3 more weeks for the Americans to even arrive in Korea so it is one of the
2: things that i think is misunderstood certainly i'm afraid including by me before i read your book that the division of Korea didn't arise because of the Korean War, it, it it existed before, and then the conflict came.
0: Yes, it was a it was a division, unfortunately and tragically, it was according to a decision made by the uh, the U.S. government on the eve of a Japan's a formal surrender, and so it was a very much so a self serving strategic decision on the part of Americans. Of course, needless to say, no Korean was consulted.
2: And and why then was there a conflict? Because the the two big superpowers had had. Um done their deal they'd arranged the 38th parallel as the dividing line what need for conflict after that
0: mm-hmm. the uh, conflict on the korean peninsula was very much a child uh, uh, the expanding cold war between the two erstwhile allies that is the soviet union and the united states certainly by 1946-47 the relations had uh, soured between the two powers and also their initial agreement or commitment to uh, setting up a united Korean government through their respective clients or the uh, uh, protege lead, uh, political groups in both Northern Korea and Southern Korea, absolutely failed. So definitely by 1947, the uh, uh, almost other than those who are ferv- those Koreans who were fervently uh, nationalistic and who wanted United Korea, and uh, regardless, uh, no, no matter what, the politics, among Koreans themselves had become hopelessly polarized. And what resulted in 1948 were the inauguration or the establishments of a two rival, mutually hostile governments on the Korean Peninsula.
2: And then conflict. Yes. So tell us about the, the Korean War. You know, can you describe the main events of that conflict and, and, how, it, and how it ended?
0: Yes. Uh, so South Korea is being supported by the United States and the North Korea being supported by the Soviet Union. Both North and South Korean leaders were uh, uh, outspoken and they made no secret of the fact that they each wanted to reunify Korea by using force if necessary. By the eve of uh, the outbreak of the Korean War in June 1950, the developments, both the internal and the external, were highly favorable to North Korea, where they were highly unfavorable uh, for South Korea. In the case of South Korea, by 1948 or 49, uh, roughly by then, United States had more or less given sent signals to the world that in the Far East or East Asia, U.S. was only committed to fully committed to defending Japan if uh, in the in the outbreak of uh, some sort of communist aggression, whereas uh, neither, and, uh, and, and both South Korea and Taiwan, the nationalist government uh, uh, Taiwan, were beyond America's defensive perimeter. Uh, at least that was the, the, uh, the, the common perception in the world at the time. And America's a military support for South Korea at the time, uh, in terms of actual ground personnel and the equipment were uh, 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 minimal. Whereas in stark contrast, North Korea continued to receive tanks and other forms of heavy armament from uh, the Soviet Union, and also the newly victorious the communist government of China under Mao Zedong released uh, more than a hundred thousand Korean communists who had been fighting alongside the Chinese communists during the Chinese civil war. So these are uh, the, the battle-hardened, uh, the combat uh, uh, veterans, and and also just to add one more factor. Uh, When the the founding leader of North Korea began his, his administration began in 1948 by then more than a million Northern Koreans who did not want to live under communist uh, rule for various reasons that they fled South and in many ways, making it easier for Kim Il-sung to uh, control Korea with the, you know, so many dissenters gone. Whereas in Southern Korea, the violent civil war persisted as uh, the leftists in southern South Korea continue to resist the southern authorities and also the Americas that influence. So uh, the North Korea's Kim Il-sung in uh, June 1950 ultimately decided to launch uh, an all-out invasion, confident that in just a matter of weeks, so he'll be able to conquer South Korea.
1: This episode is brought to you by Shopify.
2: But they didn't work out like that. And so can you just tell us why it was that Korea remained divided at the end of the conflict just as it began it?
0: Mm -hmm. By then, the Truman administration had come to conclude that uh, Soviet Union's uh, ambitions in the Far East uh, uh, extended beyond communist North Korea, that, that Stalin was even willing to Game, make additional gains by supporting North Korea and ultimately conquering South Korea. So by then, uh, the United States uh, decided that the, it wasn't enough to just uh, uh, defend Japan militarily and rebuild Japan economically, but the United States uh, must defend. South Korea as well as uh, Taiwan against uh, any sort of communist uh, uh, aggression in the matter of uh, uh, first uh, several weeks uh, uh, during the war, United States and uh, sent uh, massive uh, sizable uh, reinforcements to uh, to South Korea to the extent where in September 1950 under the, uh, General Douglas MacArthur's uh, command, the UN forces, most of which were the Americans, uh, made a, a, a successful amphibious landing at Incheon near Seoul that turned the tide of the war in favor of the UN troops uh, and pushed push uh, the battlefront closer to the Sino North Korean border. But at that critical juncture in the October or November of 1950, China militarily intervened, and so the, battle, the with the, with the China's support and the, commun- the the North Koreans were able to push. The South Korean and UN troops uh, back southward, uh, even further south beyond the 38th parallel until the battlefront finally stabilized around what is now the uh, DMZ that divides the North and South Korea, and that, that the, the stalemate set in by the spring of uh, 1951, and the stalemate lasted uh, a little over two years until uh, July 1953, when... All concerned parties have decided to just sit down and sign an armistice agreement, which is in effect to this day.
2: And and the DMZ, the demilitarized zone, is that
0: actually on the 38th parallel? No, uh, No. entirely different lines. 38th uh, parallel is a straight latitudinal line, whereas uh, the DMZ is a curvy line, which reflects how the battlefront was between North and South Korea as of July 1953. So
2: just just to just, just sort of to finish that off, who, who gained territory in that
0: conflict? <laughs> well, the uh, South Korea gained slightly more. During that two-year stalemate, southern forces were especially interested in gaining the uh, central eastern part of Korea with uh, lots of uh, uh, the minerals, uh, the mining potential. Whereas the North Koreans were especially keen on make, making as much gain as possible closer to, closer to Seoul in the western, uh, in the west coast of the Korean Peninsula. So that
2: takes us uh, to the era which, uh, you know, journalists like I, who've been covering events for the last few decades, are much more familiar with the North Korea, South Korea divide and the extraordinary development of North Korea. Let's deal with North Korea first. And I mean, the story you've told of Chinese influence, Japanese colonization, and then the Americans and the Soviet sort of carving the country up would provide the explanation would it not of North Korea's idea about being self-reliant which you know has driven them ever since
0: mm-hmm. yes so and fundamentally how North and South Korea are so different today in just in just about every aspect is a reflection of uh, what the United States on the one hand and the Soviet Union and China on the other hand pursued for their respective, I guess, uh, uh, the, 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 re- the Korean regimes that, that they supported. So in the case of South Korea, United States uh, did uh, what it was already committed to doing for Western Europe and Japan, that is a their economy so that uh, there will be very little chance of uh, socialism or revolutionary socialism or communism gaining popular uh, support as they were, uh, they continue to do so in more economically impoverished parts of the world. So by the 1960s and for the United States, uh, the key move that it had to make in pursuing that aim for South Korea was to more fully integrate South Korea into the, uh, the American-led defensive slash uh, uh, the economic bloc with uh, Japan as a junior partner and South Korea as a new junior partner. And in 1965, the United States was successful in goading and persuading Japan and South Korea to normalize their relations, that is, establishing formal diplomatic relations. Whereas in the case of North Korea, North Korea was doing just fine, as, we, as I explained a moment ago with regards to the Korean War, until the Soviet Union and the China had a fallout that is after the death of a stalin his, his successor nikita khrushchev in soviet union denounced stalinism and the china for its own reasons mao Tedong was pursuing more hardline communist policies as reflected in such events as the cultural revolution and in the, in the 60s there were even border clashes between the soviet union and the china and north korea needless to say was caught in a very awkward position and the kim il sung pursue the policy of self-reliance, an important aspect of which was to make North Korea entirely independent politically, diplomatically, and also must be strong enough to defend itself as well as uh, uh, achieving its own economic growth. But of course, uh, the world by the second half of the 20th century, especially by the third quarter of the 20th century, was not the kind where uh, a country can be uh, uh, entirely uh, self Defended and definitely by this in, in the 70s, North Korea's economy, uh, economic growth has slowed down. And the, in the 80s, North Korea's economy stopped growing. And in the 90s, North Korea's economy actually began shrinking uh, in large part due to uh, the devastating uh, the, uh, the, uh, the failure with agriculture and also flooding and the famine.
2: So, what started out as self reliance and you know, and, and, and a lot of Marxism Leninism thrown in ended up. As this disastrous situation, which we see to this day, of an, a totally impoverished population living under a, a, a very harsh dictatorship. And I just wonder now is it, I mean, I, I guess the answer is pretty obvious, but it, the, the whole of North Korea's political future and political development depends on one family who are fighting for their lives, right? To stay yes. in power, mm-hmm. to protect themselves, and there's nothing more to it than that.
0: Absolutely. I forgot to mention that uh, as long as. Uh, both China and uh, the Soviet Union, uh, even, the, even if they're on the bad terms. As long as those two countries continue to do well in the 70s and 80s, uh, North Korea uh, was able to perform or pursue a, a very delicate diplomatic balancing act, going back and forth between the two powers. But once the Cold War ended, once the, the Soviet Union and the Eastern Bloc collapsed, then North Korea's uh, options uh, became even more limited. For, first of all, North Korea could no longer rely on the cheap crude oil for other material assistance from uh, the Soviet Union and other and other pro-Soviet uh, uh, countries. And so, North Korea, since uh, the end of the Cold War, has been uh, left uh, with only China to look for the, uh, uh, such support.
2: Now, the, the political developments in the South were rather more interesting because there were military rulers there and so you might have thought it would go along a similar path to uh, north korea but it it didn't and there was a, a a democratization movement which which succeeded so tell us about that and why yeah you know, who was in that movement how much foreign involvement was there in it how much was it an indigenous movement and uh, why did it succeed
0: from the very beginning 1948 uh, south korea at least uh, got started uh, south korea at least started off with a constitution uh, that was very much committed to and fostered multi-party uh, system. Of course, uh, for decades, uh, various authoritarian leaders that uh, did not allow uh, the spirit of a South Korea's constitution to uh, fully come alive. But by one thousand, nine hundred and eighty-eight, th- there was no way, uh, no uh, turning back for South Korea. South Korea was well on its way toward uh, uh, achieving one of the biggest, one of the most vibrant democracies. in in the world, whereas the North Korea's path has been very different in the sense that uh, in 1948, the North Korean regime was established as a coalition of various uh, 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 competing and at times, uh, uh, and before long, mutually hostile communist factions. And by the end of the 60s, Kim Il-sung, the founding leader, had successfully Eliminated or purged all remaining rival communist factions. As a way of concluding my explanation, then North Korea is what it is today because, uh, yes, to many observers, uh, can why can North Korea simply just uh, mimic or imitate what China has been doing, evidently successfully so since the 70s and 80s, right? That is, uh, maintaining a one-party system while pursuing. Uh, or allowing more liberalized uh, uh, economy, you know, geared toward the uh, the growth and allow capitalist capitalist uh, capitalist enterprises. North Korea cannot do so, at least not fully, because North Korea is is a state ruled by a particular family, a, a dynasty, if you will. Uh, the current leader Kim Jong Un is uh, the third member of the family to rule North Korea, and. Uh, uh, Pursuing a more open, liberalized, if not more capitalist uh, economy would mean that before long, North Korea as a population would uh, become influenced by and would perhaps even demand greater political freedom with a pluralism.
2: Well I mean there are so many parallels with East and West Germany and of course you know whatever you say about the ideologies and uh, the competition between those two countries there was no uh, movement of West Germans into East Germany there was always East Germans trying to get into West Germany Mm -hmm. and it's exactly the same in uh, North and South Korea with people trying to escape North Korea and uh, some of them succeeding and ended up ending up in in the South but I want to ask the question like this. Why is this too simplistic? Tell me that this is too simplistic, that the Korean peninsula in the last 30, 40 years mm. shows that capitalism just generates far more wealth and tolerance and mm. um, in, in, in fosters democracy uh, more than uh, the communist system in the north.
0: Yes. Um, well, I'm afraid uh, I'm not much of an economic historian to really <laughs> compare or contrast uh, the merits of or the uh, effectiveness of capitalism versus uh, the uh, socialism. Because, uh, and also, most well, certainly so in the case of uh, the modern Korean history, the, we're looking at factors other than ideologies or economic policies that, that produce such a contrast between North and South Korea today. And uh, as I've uh, mentioned, uh, some of these other factors include uh, the diplomatic and uh, the military policies of uh, such actors as China, the Soviet Union, the United States. Also, other circumstances that I have not mentioned uh, yet include, uh, for example, the newly affluent or wealthy countries in the Middle East that by the 70s were almost desperately looking for cheap labor to build Their infrastructure. And uh, South Korea profited uh, hugely from the various Middle Eastern construction projects uh, uh, from the 70s onward. Also, I forgot to mention, uh, I should have mentioned that uh, in the same way, uh, Japan's economy got a huge lift by supporting the United States as uh, as a regional base during the Korean War. Same thing happened for South Korea during the Vietnam War, during which in the 60s, uh, South Korea uh, not only committed uh, troops to fight in Vietnam, in fact, becoming the second largest contributor of troops after the United States, uh, fighting alongside the South Vietnamese, but South Korea economic growth received a huge boost from various uh, projects that the South Korea uh, secured, uh, usually as the lowest bidders. In uh, in South Vietnam,
2: so that's so, yeah exactly. So there are lots of factors at play, yes. and uh, we've ended up where we are. So so you know you've done a great job of um, summarizing very very clearly the, a century's development of uh, of Korea's history. So we as as according to the title of the series, we need to look ahead, and yeah, you know, the I guess there are two questions: disarmament, nuclear disarmament, and reunification. So. Let me ask them in one. What are the prospects for reunification and what are the prospects for nuclear disarmament?
0: Yes, these are, of course, a million-dollar questions, <laughs> And uh, I like to tell my students that the current situation is the one where the two sides are pointing guns at each other. And the one is saying, you drop your gun and then I'll drop mine. And the other, no, you drop yours first and then I'll uh, drop mine. So the reason, the reason I use that analogy is that North Korea wants absolute firm guarantee of uh, the security for its regime. That is, North Korea wants a total firm promise that there will be no threat ever against uh, the Kim dynasty. And uh, what that means in more practical terms uh, is uh, a formal peace treaty. To officially end the Korean War. Whereas uh, certainly from the United States perspective, the, the peace treaty is not uh, is not up for discussion before North Korea stops. It's a saber-rattling with its, its investment and the efforts uh, toward uh, the, the weapons of mass destruction, uh, such as the uh, long-distance ballistic missiles and the uh, nuclear weapons.
2: Are the factors that lead to to the stalemate now, you know, the, the, the failure to even think about reunification as, as a you know, foreseeable prospect. Uh, can you see those, those, those factors changing? Is there any, any, is there any reason to believe reunification could happen?
0: Yes, in large part, because if we just take a long term perspective on the inter-Korean relations, since the 70s, the situation has improved incrementally with the ups and downs. That is, uh, compared to, say, 20 years ago, the number of the incidents along the TMC, or the possibility of a, such an incident or actual uh, have just have considerably decreased. And so certainly from that perspective, uh, slowly but surely, the situation is getting better. But can there ever be a, a secure framework? that can guarantee the a peaceful coexistence of a North and South Korea, the respecting each other's system with the absolutely no possibility of a conflict between the two? Can such a framework ever materialize? And uh, uh, at this point, I, I don't think it's going to happen. And certainly it's not going to happen in the next two, three, four years.
2: Sure, but that's very short term. I mean, but is it fair to say this, that there will Mm -hmm. never be reunification peacefully? Yeah, that if it happens, it it Mm -hmm. will involve uprisings, military action, violence.
0: Yes, I think the one potential uh, stimulus for such a scenario would be, uh, say, the relatively young leader, the current leader, Kim Jong-un, were to die with no obvious uh, heir. Who is prepared to succeed? Reportedly, all of his uh, uh, the children they're they're young, they're minors. Uh, that's one po- one possibility. I I think uh, a lot also depends on the what type, what kind of administration we have in the United States uh, and South Korea. So if both the American American leadership and the South Korean leadership are committed to. Uh, making certain concessions for the lack of better words, so that the North Korea can uh, relax a bit and that the North Korea is willing to back away, then we're make, Then that, that will certainly be progress. But at this point, we're stuck in a stalemate.
2: Well, thank you so much for explaining it to us. And uh, it's, it's a lot clearer now than it was, uh, you know, 45 minutes
0: ago. So thanks very much. Thank you. Juan. My pleasure.